it's Wednesday night, and we are. This is my first time back after a, a long illness, uh, and uh, for the whole month of March. And I was thinking about what I was going to talk about when I come back. I would like to talk about parsing. Why is it important to know something about parsing? Parsing means to divide a sentence up into its proper perspective. You have a subject here. You have a verb here, which either shows action. You get action verbs and being verbs. Being verbs are called helping verbs. Helping verbs. What does that mean? You've got another term for these two verbs is transitive and intransitive. That's not as hard as it looked. What is a transit? Huh? That's somebody that either moves a lot. My father was a transit. I counted the places I lived up to when I was 40. I lived in about 41 places up till I was 40. About 41. Sometimes we'd move every three, four, five months. We'd stay in some places two years maybe. A transit is a guy that sits down here on the corner on Broadway and begs, and then he goes over to another street and begs there. That's a transit. It means to move. So you have transitive, which are moving verbs, and that's called action verbs. What would that be? Jump, run, throw, play. Anything that shows action. Well, how do they, how do they help? How are they helped by being verbs or intransitive verbs or helping verbs? In school, they will be called helping verbs. If I said, uh, John shall play first base first base well shall is the helping it's helping the word play or Jim uh, will preach will is a being verb the being verbs are all they are all uh, have. They're all related to each other. Now I memorized these somewhere in the early 1950s. I do not have any idea when and where. I just remember memorizing. Teachers say memorize these, and I'd go okay. So here are the being verbs. These are very important. I'm going to write them on the board again. Be 
is, am. By the way, every one of these words are about being. To be, to be, means to exist. And you cannot be any one of these being verbs if you, if he is, that means he is a being. He's a living being. Am. How's that? Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. Boy, I love that because he said that in the 8th chapter of John. Before Abraham was, I am. Uh, the Pharisees said, you're not even 50 years old and you've seen God. You've seen Abraham. He said, before Abraham was, I am the I am God. Remember, it was, the Lord told Moses, you go to Pharaoh. Tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Let my people go. And when he goes to the people over there, he said, what shall I say to the Israelites? What if they say, we haven't known this God in 400 years. We've been in the dark. And what if they say, what is his name? He said, you tell them, I am, has sent me. Now, there's a way this is spoken in the theological word book of the Old Testament. They didn't actually use, they wouldn't say, I am God. They wouldn't say, the Lord is God. Because they said, is would be static language. It would be like the Lord God. It just didn't connect. This is what it says in the theological word book. That was written by Harris, Walkie, and uh, the guy likes well. Archer. What? Archer. I can't hear. Archer. Oh, Gleason Archer. Gleason Archer. I love Gleason Archer. I couldn't even think of his name. Listen, Archer. And this is what they were saying. Harrison Walkie. And in that, this is one man. These are some men I really highly recommend. Uh, Gleason, Archer, and Harrison Walkie say, you wouldn't say the Lord is God since he is the only God that is God. You would say the Lord God, and that's it. Because there's no other God. Well, when Jesus said, I am, that's exactly what, what he was saying. To be means to exist. I wrote that down once. I'll write it down again. If you am, you exist. If you is, you exist. Be is, am, are, was, were. These are all being or helping verbs. And they're all basically a form of to be, to exist. Now, were, this is, you use plural with were, singular with was, he was, they were, that would be plural. We are, you wouldn't say he are, it, it sets up itself. Being, be as am, are, was, were, being, been, been, 
have, has, had, do, does, did. They're all forms of the word to be. You cannot do any of these things unless you exist. Do, does, did, shall, will, should, would, may, might. That's not even in the Bible. Anytime you find that we might be the firstborn among many immediate brethren, forget that that's not there in Romans 8.29. May, might, must, can, could. That's every one of, you cannot could do something unless you're being. You cannot did or shall or will. Notice will is in the middle of this whole thing. To be, to exist. If a man can will himself into existence, he is the I am. Well, I keep saying that. He's actually Jehovah. Jehovah. When you look it up in any book, it'll tell you it means self existent so when Jesus so when Jehovah God said I am he was saying I am self-existent I exist of myself and you say Jehovah I thought it was Yahweh Y-E-H-W-A-H Y-A-H-W-H-E-H that is a tet- what you call a tetragram And that was dug out of ruins, archaeological ruins. When you translate a Y into English, it translates J. H is H. A V and a W, they are made the same way in Hebrew. And there are no vowels. There are vowel points. So you have J, H, V, H. Or J Y H W H, which is the same thing. Okay? It don't matter whether people like that or not. Now, what is the importance of all this? The whole thing. The black community has a way they say this, it's a it's like a colloquialism to them. They say, I be going. That's exactly the way it should be. All of this means to be or to exist. And what's that about? It's about existence belongs to God. If you can will yourself down an aisle and you can will to come alive, that means you are Jehovah. That's what it means. It means you're God. Only God wills. Only He is I am. Only He is self-existence. He is Jehovah. He is self-existent. That's another reason. Predestination has to be true. Now I want to talk to you some about, about pronouns.
Pronouns are very important in the Bible. When people say, I like the way it's written. Well, the King James Bible is not the inspired word of God. The original Greek text is. Let me give you something about pronouns. Nouns. A noun is a person, place, or thing. If it's a person, it has gender. And that is all important, completely important. Gender means it's either male, female, masculine, feminine, or neuter gender. If it's neuter, it's not male nor female. Every time you find demon in the Bible, in the New Testament, it's the word D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. When the Bible refers to demon, it's always neuter gender. It means it is a thing. And when the man of the, at the, in the, of the Gadarenes in Luke 8, when Jesus said, Tisoestinonoma, what is your name? He actually said, Tisoe, not soul, Soestin, E-S-T-I-N, Onoma. Onoma is the word name, but it means authority. What? This is an interrogative. Interrogative is not hard to understand. Interrogative. An interrogative, you interrogate people when you question them. This is a question. What? Soy comes from the word sum, sug, su. When you see these on the front end of the word, for whom he did for no, he also did predestinate to be conformed. To be conformed is the word sumorphos. Sumorphos and sum means fellowship. What Jesus was saying is what fellowship is this authority you're fellowshipping with? And the guy said, D-A- I-M-O-N-I-O-N. When he said daemonion, when he said daemonion, he used feminine gender. Then the Bible turns around and says, because many, daemonion has a little different spelling than this. And the Bible says it was neuter gender. They didn't actually exist. You think that's important? It's all important. Now, I want to... If it's a pronoun, what does it mean as opposed to a noun? There are, here, I'm going to put the, I learned these somewhere in the the early 50s. Here are all of the pronouns in English. Let me erase some of this. And why is this important? Well, we'll show you here. The teacher put these on the board. I was somewhere in the seventh grade or somewhere around there. I don't know. I used to memorize whatever the teacher told me to memorize. Now, these are important because you got them in the Bible. Pronouns. 
A pronoun takes the place of a noun. And a pronoun has to have you got that's not true in the Bible it has to have the same gender as the noun that it represents when it represents a noun the noun it represents is called an A-N-T-I A-N-T-E C-E-D-E-N-T why is that important? oh It'll tell you what the Bible is actually saying. It doesn't say sometimes what it says in English. For instance, you go to Matthew, the first chapter, talking about Mary being with child and Joseph not willing to make her a public example. You see, as far as Joseph was concerned, Under the Jewish law, he should have had Mary stoned and killed. But Joseph, being a just man, put her away privately. And then the Bible says, when this child is born of the Holy Ghost, verse 21, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, which means Jehovah saves, For he shall save his people. He's not going to save the devil's children and turn them into his children. He is not going to save goats and go, poof, you're becoming a sheep. He's not going to do that. They belong to him from the foundation of the world. And he's only, every lost sheep will be saved every sheep is lost belongs to a shepherd goats belong to no one they are wild don't need anybody we've got some goats live out not far from our house on drake's creek when i don't want to learn they're standing on top of little buildings they're standing in trees they're kind of like monkeys they're just crazy They'll climb up on anything. You have the Ibex goats. Go online and look at the Ibex goats. They're over in Europe. Ibex. Shepherds, sheep have to have shepherds. Goats need no one. They'll eat tin cans. I had a guy who used to come here. He said, I hauled one in my car one time. And when I got to where I was going, he ate the back of my back seat out and he'd swallowed it. That's the way goats are. They'll eat a tin can if you don't get it out of the way. The Ibex goats, they climb about a 200 foot, about a 200 foot dam in Europe. And it's just about that steep. And the little baby goats are up there and their feet are like gloves and they reach out and grab hold of rocks on that and go up there and lick that salt off of that dam. It's, it's nearly a 90 degree. They don't need a shepherd. We have to have a shepherd. The Bible says in, well, let me finish this. He came to save his people. Let me give you the pronouns. Here are the pronouns in the English language. And all the other pronouns are related to it. I, 
we, you, he, she, it, they. You're going to have I, me, my, mine, and we is going to be us, our, anything that has plural that has to do with we. You, now this right here, these are going to be first person. First person is I. Second person is you. Third person is someone outside of me and you, they. That's what it is. And that's over here. Now you're going to have you're going to have you, yours. You're going to have you're going to have he. You're going to have him. His, anything that shows possession would be a possessive, you hear me say this, pronoun. Here in this verse it says, he's going to save his, he possesses them before he saves them. They are his. He's only going to save his people from their sin. They belong to him. Jesus said in John 10, my father gave you to me. And he says, when he gave you to me, you will never perish. You got she or her or hers. Hers would be possessive. Her doesn't necessarily have to be possessive, but it can be her car it, you got, anytime you have it, you can pay that if it's used as a pronoun or anything where you have something that is a thing. They, them, that's a very good word right there, them, because that's what Jesus says in John 10. You have to understand when it's possessed him. Now what he says here in Matthew 1 and 21, he shall save not goats, they belong to him, they belong to him from the foundation of the world. Now what did he say about this over in Matthew? I want to show you in Matthew, the 18th chapter. Go over there. Matthew 18. Now look here, verse Matthew 18, verse 11. You've got this also in Luke 19.10, the same phrase. For the Son of Man has come to save that which past tense was lost. When he's come into the world, his sheep are not lost. Not any longer. And then he says, How think ye, if a man have a hundred sheep, and he owns them, doesn't he? Has a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine? I love that song. We should have sung it. 
the ninety and nine, and goes unto the mountain, and seeketh that which is gone astray. If so be that he is will find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more than over that sheep than the ninety and nine which went not astray. Now, next verse tells you they belong to him. And it tells you this verse goes with Second Peter 3 and verse 9. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little sheep should perish. He says the same thing over there. Go over there to Second Peter 3. Second Peter 3. I'm trying to go slow. I want you to notice why pronouns are really important. Second Peter 3, he says the same thing. He says in Matthew 18, look here. Probably one of the most controversial uh, words in the world is in the Bible is this chapter, verse 9. I'm going to say it one more time, so maybe it'll help you really understand. Now, Second Peter 3. Let's read down to it. The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, I want you to understand this, uh, Peter is writing. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. These are people who are making fun of us. It's a word, empizo, E-M-P-A-I-Z-O. These are people that are making fun of us, jeering at us. Now, you're going to have two sets of people here. You're going to have the scoffers. And the lambs or the believers. Same as those lambs over there in Matthew 18. Believers. Now, here's what he says. And the scoffers are going to come. And let me see if I can divide this up so you can better understand it. I've got to leave that up there. Take these Ibex goats out. All right. Let me write that over here. I, we, you. These are the pronouns. And anything that plays off of these Yours, us, me, mine. That's just a part of these. You, he, she, it, and they. All pronouns are a form of one of these. Learned that 65, 70 years ago. I don't know when. All right. Now, scoffers will come. And they will say, where is this promise? Is promise. Of the coming of you believers. 
Why, since the prophets fell asleep, everything, everything continues as it was from the beginning of the world. And they're willingly ignorant. There was a flood. Let's read it. They're saying, where is this? This is scoffers saying, where is the promise? Uh, promise is an interesting word. It means some, a word that has been given to us, uh, promising us that he would come back and, and rescue us. For such, for since the fathers fell asleep, they're saying, this is what the scoffers are saying, since the fathers fell asleep, everything's continuing the way it did from the beginning of the creation. They are willingly ignorant. They like to be ignorant that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water in the water. They're ignorant. They like to be ignorant of the flood. Everything don't continue as it was. Whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire. Now God said, there's a good place there. People say, there's not heating up. Well, God says, I've reserved it to be burnt up. He said, I won't ever flood it again, but don't think I'm not going to heat things up. That's what Revelation says. Revelation says in the 8th chapter and in the 16th chapter, the earth's going to get hotter and hotter. Men are going to hurt, curse God for the heat. It says that. Reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, agapatos, and he's not talking to the scoffers, A-G-A-P-E-T-O-S. Agapetos, a form of agape. A form of agape, walking in the commandments of God. So he's only talking to the believers. But beloved, we're not addressing scoffers. We're going to talk about them, but beloved. Be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. It has only been two days since Jesus has been here walking around the earth. Two thousand years is just a couple of days. He says in Psalms 90 and 4, a thousand years is but yesterday in thy sight. It's just been a couple of days since Jesus was here. And then he says, he's answering the scoffers in verse 4. They say, where is the promise of his coming to you believers, to you sheep? And the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. The way men count slackness. Men say, well, if he hadn't come in 2,000 years, he must not be coming back. That's just a couple of days to him. As some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering toward us, to us, word, not willing that any. The word is tis. It is a pronoun. It means anyone. And tis has an antecedent. 
It is us. It is not the scoffers. The antecedent is us. He's not willing that any of us should perish. And did you know in the interlinear Bible, that's exactly what it says. You see, the interlinear Bible got it right. The King James Bible got it wrong. Here's the interlinear. Now, this guy that wrote me said, the English is good enough for me. Well, you're ignorant, mister. Just ignorant as an old shoe. It says in here that God is not willing that any of us. It's got the Greek on the top line and the English right under it. So it's it's the huh? The us word is the antecedent. The the us is the antecedent. Us word. Well, us is it actually says us. He it's toward us. Us is the antecedent. The scoffers are not the antecedent. Us is the antecedent. This is saying the exact same thing at Matthew eighteen, where he's not willing that one of these little ones should perish. He's not willing that any of us should perish, but is long-suffering. Let me read that again. But is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any of us should perish, that all of us should come to repentance. And that is an answer to the scoffers. Do you see that? It's real simple. It's not hard. And Jerry Falwell and all the independent Baptists will get up. Oh, God's not willing that any should perish. This would be a contradiction, Romans 9.22, if he didn't want anybody to perish. God willing to show, it says his wrath in the, in the English Bible, but that's not what it says. It's wrong. It says God willing to show the wrath or pay O R G Ada. God is willing to show the feminine wrath of man. This is feminine, te orge is feminine. What is the orge? The orge is the wrath of covetousness. God wants to show the anger of man. God willing to show the wrath. The Bible says this wrath over in Romans, the first chapter, that this wrath was placed on us. It was put on us. And the Bible says in Ephesians, look at Ephesians. I'll come back here. But look at Ephesians, the third chapter. Uh, The second chapter, excuse me. Look at Ephesians, the second chapter. Speaking of, well, let me read down to it. And you hath he quickened. Zumpael means to make alive. He made the Ephesian believing church alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And notice chapter verse 3 among whom also we had our conversation. Among these evil people, we had our anastrophe. A-N-A-S-T-R-O-P-H-E. Our behavior. That means, doesn't just mean the way we talked. 
It means the way we acted, the way we cursed, the way we lived. With our conversation in times past, in the lust, our conversation was epithumia, lust. E-P-I-T-H-U-M-I-A. Longing for that which is forbidden. Epi means to superimpose hard breathing on ourselves. I, I want that. I want her. I want him. I got to have that. Then he says, whom also we had all our conversation in times past, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature. It was the na- our nature, our phusis, P-H-U-S-I-S. Our breath, our longing breath, our nature, what does he say? Filling the desires of the flesh, by nature, we were the children of, it says wrath, but the word is orgay. We were by nature, it is our nature. It is the nature of you and I to lust after the flesh and desire the flesh. And God's got to conquer that when he births Christ in you. And you have an outer man that serves self. You have an inner man that serves God. And it takes a long time. 30, 40, 50, 60 years through fire and trials before God will just burn out self. And all you'll have left when you're an old man or old woman is just the thin veneer of sin. The older you get, the more more disinterested that you are in it. So it's our nature. Now let's go back over here. Where were we? Back over here to... Where where I was, God's not willing that any of us should perish, but all of us should come to repentance. I want to go to John 10 and give you an antecedent, okay? John 10. This is the parable of the Good Shepherd. This has got all the I am's in it. Just all up and down this in John 10. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not in by the door of the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. You see, they would break the walls down of a sheepfold. The sheepfold might cover five acres made of rocks, and they'd have these rocks stacked up around five acres. And then they would have some kind of thorns all around that. And they'd have an opening in it. An opening. And there would be an opening there. And the eldest shepherd was called the door. That's what he was called. It's called the door. The reason being, 
he would lie down in that space in the door, his head tousled on one side of the door, his feet touching the other side, and he would lie there with a Sabian dagger in his hand and say, I dare you wolves come after my sheep. Now, a false shepherd would try to come over the side. If you had a mighty shepherd like Jesus, he'd come down here and kill the wolf. Say, get away from my sheep. He would lose his temper at the at the wolves. I do that from time to time. Sometimes I lose my temper at the wolves. And some of the sheep will go, oh, is Jim mad at me? I'm, no, 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 no. I'm angry at that false shepherd over there that's trying to lead you astray and feed you some rotten grass. Now, John 10. He says he's the door. He that had entered in by the door is the shepherd. That's because they called him the door. The shepherd of the sheep, to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. Mr. The guy who wrote the book, The Shepherds, look at the 23rd Psalm. Keller. Huh? Keller. Keller. Yeah, he, he said that the shepherds knew their sheep in the dark. As they brought them in, they could touch him, have a blindfold on, and they knew them. They were friends. A shepherd was called a friend of the sheep. He would lay with them. He would go out, take them out to pasture. He would protect them. He would lead them beside still waters. That's, uh, you need, everybody needs that book, Shepherds Look at the 23rd Psalm, because Mr. Keller used to be a shepherd. He said sheep are terrified of running water. They're just scared to death. But he said, the old sheep, the ones that knew the shepherd for a long time, the shepherd knew exactly where the water was shallow, and he'd walk across the shallow part. (laughs) And the, uh, as he walked across the shallow part, the little baby sheep would just gamble up and down, gamble, J-M-B-O-L, means to play and run around. And they were looking at the water, and they didn't like that running water. I don't like that. And some of the young sheep would wait till they got way down where the water got deep, and they'd jump in. Shepherd would have to go in after him. He'd jump in after him, and if he had to, he'd swim after him. And he'd get them, bring them up to shore and say, why are you like this? Why do you run away from me? Why don't you listen to me? I love it when the shepherd would talk about, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Want means to be in destitution. I'll have everything I need. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. Restore the soul. Restore the soul. That means a shepherd, a sheep would go out and become cast. Cast. A cast sheep would go out and look for a comfortable place. He would lay down on his back 
wallow in the sand where his feet were sticking straight up. <laughs> and he could not right himself. He couldn't get up. And the shepherd would say, oh my goodness, I got some sheep that are cast. And the Bible says, God's sheep, though they fall, they shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. And he would go out there and find that sheep. And his legs would be straight up in the air. Wish I could draw a sheep. And his legs would be straight up and he couldn't stand up. There was a movie called... Uh, really kind of a good movie is called uh, Far From the Maddening Crowd it's about a shepherd and this woman had a bunch of sheep and he was the only guy who knew how to get the cast sheep upon their feet they had something called a rumen they even say that in the movie a rumen and this rumen when they would get on their back it would fill it was a sack that would fill up full of gas. And they would have to get the sheep up, and this guy knew exactly what to do. They showed him out there with a punch, punching the sheep in that room and, and expelling the gas, and they'd get up and take off running. And Mr. Keller says the shepherd would go out there and say, little fellow, why do you go out looking for a comfortable place, looking for some place to lay up on your back? Don't you know I love you and I'm going to take care of you? And he would have right the sheep. David's psalms are about a shepherd. That's what he was. And not one of these little ones. None of them will be lost. Now, let's look on down here in chapter 10. Chapter 10, he's talking, about, well, look here at verse 4. When he put forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Old Dr. Kemp used to say in this five-acre area, said the eldest shepherd would lie in the door while the other shepherds would come here, and they would lie down among their sheep, when they got up in the morning, they would make some kind of noise that their sheep recognized. And no one but their sheep would rise up, each one of those shepherds. Maybe that shepherd up there would say, Hoo-ah! And those sheep, just his sheep, would stand up and follow him out. That's why he said, They know his voice. They know his voice, and a stranger will they not follow. But they understand not what things they were that spake to them. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, I am the door. That was an actual fact. I am the door of the sheep. All that came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me, if any man enter in, by Christ, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. 
For the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. He's going to come in the side and break, try to take those stones down. If they have a mighty shepherd, he's not going to get by with it. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, the Pentecostals use that to say, see, God wants you to have nice cars and nice houses. Wait a minute. We're talking about sheep and hay, aren't we? You think God wants you to have more hay? We're talking about sheep. We're not talking about cars and money. Abundant life for the sheep would be exactly that. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, but he that's a hireling and not the shepherd who's on the sheep or not seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and flieth, and the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. Mr. Keller said, sheep hate, excuse me, wolves hate sheep. They want to kill them. The worst enemy of a sheep is a wolf. Wolves will go up on the top of a hill and gather. Eight or ten in in the crowd. They'll look down at the sheep. And the leader of the pack will say, let's go, boys. Let's get them. And they'll go down. If they don't have a shepherd that cares for the flock, they will kill every one of those sheep, walk away, leave them dead, not even interested in eating them. That's how. That's why Jesus said, these Pharisees are wolves in sheep's clothing. And he told the church at Ephesus in Acts, the 20th chapter, ravening wolves will come in after I'm gone. Watch out for them. They'll be false teachers. Now let's get on down here to where I want to get to. Verse 24. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long are you going to make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Well, it reminds me of the 8th chapter where he says to them, in the 8th chapter, he says, I already told you who you are. Look back at the 8th chapter, verse 44. You are of your father the devil. The lust of your father you will do. He's talking to the same guys. He was a murderer from the beginning, and so are you, and he bowed not in the truth, and neither do you. They're going to kill him for those kind of words. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. That's you. Ain't no wonder they wanted to kill him. For he is a liar and the father of it. Because I tell you the truth. Because I tell you the truth. That you don't believe it. He said it in verse 40. But now you seek to kill me. A man that has told you the truth. Boy the world wants to kill me for telling the truth. And I love verse 47. This is a predestination verse if there ever was one. He that is of God heareth God's words. You therefore hear they're not, you're not of God. You think he was being quiet when he said that? I don't think so. Then they called him a Samaritan in the next verse. Let's get back over here to John 10. John 10. 
They said, how long are you going to make us to doubt? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Be blunt. I don't know what you want besides your father's the devil and the works of your father you'll do. What else do you want? Jesus answered them, I told you, you're of your father the devil. The works of your father you will do. You didn't believe that. You believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But I want to tell you why you believe not. You don't belong to me. Go away. Well, he wasn't trying to get him to accept Christ, was he? He says, you believe not because you're not of my sheep as I said unto you. You don't belong to me. Get out of my life. Get out of my world. But they won't. They'll eventually kill him. My, oh, there's a possessive pronoun. It's a form of I. But it's my. It's a singular possessive pronoun. My means they belong to me. My sheep hear my voice. Just like those sheep shepherds would sound inside that fold. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give unto them. Them is a form of they. It is a pronoun, and what is the antecedent to them? My, I want to emphasize this. My sheep, I give unto my sheep, I own them from the foundation of the world, and I give to my sheep. I give, the giving is to my sheep, and them, the antecedent of them is my sheep. I'm not going to give the goats eternal life and turn them into sheep. I'm going to give my sheep life. I've always owned them. I have never not owned them. They were mine ever since the world began. They belong to me. I give them eternal life. Who is he giving eternal life to? The sheep. He's not giving eternal life to the goats. To the sheep. If you're not, if you're a sheep, you've got Christ on your mind. And you're going to follow Christ. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me. He gave them to me. That's the way I got them. My father had a great big flock and he said, here's some sheep for you, son. Which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand because I and my father are one. You can't take them away from me. Sheep can't get lost once they're found. Now, I'm talking about possession and these possessive pronouns. I give my sheep eternal life. That he owned them. They're his people from the foundation of the world. Let me show you another reason why you have to look at pronouns. Go over to Revelation, the 13th chapter. 
Revelation 13. How much time do I have, Mike? 38. Huh? 38. 38, okay. Let's go to over here to Revelation 13. You're not going to have, if the guy that wrote me that letter, well, I just want the King James Bible. Here's a mistake in the King James Bible. <laughs> Sorry, but it is. I use the King James Bible because it comes from the Textus Receptus, not because it is the infallible Word of God, because it's not. Here's the proof of it right here. Revelation 13. I stood on the sand of the sea, verse 1, saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And upon his horns, should not be his, it should be its. The beast is an it. It always has been an it. It is an it. It's a world ruling system. It always has been. You'll find it over in Revelation. We find it in Revelation 13. You'll find it in Daniel, the seventh chapter. It's a beast that comes up out of the sea here and in Daniel 7. Now, has seven heads. A head was the capital city of an empire. The empire of Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome had seven capital cities. And upon his heads, ten horns. Boy, I don't need to go into that. That's an all-night affair. And upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. Blasphemy. People, I remember when I was growing up, preachers say, we don't know what blasphemy is. Well, yes, you do. You just define it. Blasphemos, B-L-A-S-P-H-E-M-O-S. Blasphemos comes from blapto, sounds like a soap out of a cartoon. Blapto and femei, P-H-E-M-I. Femei means a word spoken. And blapto means to hinder. It means to hinder or try to stop the word of God that is spoken. From Femi, P-H-E-M-I, we get the word P-H-E-M-E, which is our word fame. They want to hinder the fame of God and call God something that he's not. And the word that would be kin to this would be reproach. Belshede, when men shall reproach you, Reproach, O-N-E-I-D-I-Z-O, means infamous. That would be the same thing as feme or feme. You become infamous in the mouths of the world. Reproach, you're blessed when you're infamous and the world hates you. Make fun of you. Do they do that yet to you? They will when you start talking truth to the world. I've got so many enemies. 
I, I don't consider the people enemies, but they consider me an enemy. They consider me an enemy because I'm always telling them the truth about the Bible. Well, that's too bad. Now, the beach which I saw was like a leopard. And it says his feet. It's not his. If it's a him, there's something wrong. You remember I told you, remember I told you that always, you always have to have the same, when you have an antecedent, an antecedent, remember that refers back to a previous noun or pronoun. It can be a noun or a pronoun. It always has to carry the same gender. I'm going to say this so you can see it. This is why people think the beast is a man. Because it says he, him. That's, That's a false rendering of this in the Bible. Because the beast is what we're talking about. The word is to. Therion. And when you look up the beast and an analytical lexicon, I brought mine from home here, and an analytical lexicon, it will tell you that the beast is neuter gender. Everything that refers back to this beast has to be neuter. It can't be a him, it can't be a her. It's absolutely wrong. That's the King James Bible. It should read, The beast which I saw was like a leopard, and its feet were as the feet of a bear, and its mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave it its power and its great authority. It is an it. How do you know that, Jim? Look back at Daniel. It's like a lion, a bear, and a leopard, isn't it? Lion, bear, leopard. There's one other thing in Daniel. It has iron teeth. Look over in Daniel. God does not change the beast. He doesn't. There's a man of sin that will be heading up this world system, but the beast is not a man. It can't be. The antecedent, the beast, is neuter gender. It's a system. Look back here in Daniel. Daniel 7. Now, where did the beast come from? Over here in Revelation, it comes up out of the sea. Doesn't he? Where does he come from in Daniel? Out of the sea. (laughs) That's really funny that people can't recognize this. It's funny that preachers can't. Especially once you get into the sea over here in Daniel. It says in Daniel 7. In the first year of Belshazzar, the king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. And visions of his head were upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw my vision. By night, behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. 
winds. They said they had four winds, that the north wind, the west wind, the east wind, the south wind. And the sea is the Mediterranean Sea. The Mediterranean, here's Spain, there's the Strait of Gibraltar. Here's Israel here, Lebanon, Turkey, or Asia Minor, as they called it back in the ancient world. And the beast was Babylon on the Euphrates River, encompassing all this. It was founded upon the sea. And then Persia was Iran that came and overthrew Babylon, and it ruled over here on the sea. And then you had Persia, you had Greece. It came over here and conquered and had its boundary on the sea. And it rose up out of the sea. And then after that, Rome, the beast with iron teeth, came in and destroyed all these others. It was Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. It was a Babylonian lion. That's what Daniel saw. Why was it a lion? That is the most regal animal on the plains there. Why was Persia, he goes on to say, First is like a lion, had eagle's wings, and I beheld till the wings that were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand upon its feet as a man. That was Nebuchadnezzar. When Nebuchadnezzar said, All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He doeth according to his will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay the hand of God or say to him, What doest thou? Nebuchadnezzar believed God, and he was the head of the lion. And behold, another beast, a second like a bear. Persia overthrew Babylon. Why was Persia called a bear? The bear is the largest carnivore in the world. You got the Kodiak, the polar bear. They are some kind of monsters. Weighing up to 1,800 pounds. With their paws stretched out, stretching out to 16, 18 feet tall. And, Bab- and Persia had the largest armies ever. They'd take two and a half million men to go attack somebody. And he had three ribs in his mouth. And Persia had three conquerings, Lydia, Babylon, and Egypt. And in between the teeth of it, they said, Arise and devour much flesh, and that's what Persia did. And after that became a leopard. A leopard was the honed killing machine. Nothing like a leopard to attack you. You see, if a leopard hunts at night, he hunts alone, he hunts to kill, he hunts to eat. A lion may pick you up and throw you around. A bear may do that. If you get attacked by a leopard, you're going to die and be his meal that night. That was Alexander the Great. He was this super fighter. Just had a way of destroying everybody. And after this, I beheld of another like the leopard and had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. And the beast, this beast under Alexander the Great, had four heads. Who was that? Cassander. Four generals took over when Alexander the Great died on the Euphrates River in Babylon. Cassander, Ptolemy, Lysacomus, And, and Seleucus. When you read the next chapter, you see it even talks about these four heads of it.
Well, when you go back over there to Revelation, it's like a lion and a leopard and a bear. Let me show you one of the things on this beast. Turn over to Hosea, the 13th chapter. Hosea, 13. I like the whole chapter of Hosea 13, but I don't have time to read it all. Hosea Joel Amos, okay. Go back here. If you don't match up the words, how are you going to find out what everything's about? Huh? He's talking about Israel. He's going to destroy Israel. Particularly all through this book, he talks about destroying Ephraim. Ephraim was the second born son of Joseph who had the inheritance of all of Israel. You can see that in Genesis, the 48th chapter. And he tells the Israelites, here's how I'm going to meet you. Verse 7, therefore I will be unto them, unto Israel as a lion. That'll be Babylon. As a leopard, by the way, will I observe them. That will be Greece. And I will meet them as a bear. You know what that word meat is? Pogah. Pogah means to intercede. It doesn't mean I'm going to intercede for their good. The word intercession in the New Testament was E-N-T-U-G-C-H-A-N-O. Intucano means it has the idea. You're going down Gallatin Road, and you're going to come up to this corner of Indian Lake, and you see a little kid about to walk out in front of a car up here, and you come up here and you hit that car and knock it off the road to save that kid's life. God says, I will intercede against Israel like a lion, a bear, a bear and a leopard. You remember Babylon, the Babylonian line overthrew Israel in that 36th chapter of Second Chronicles. Overthrew southern Judah. Overthrew southern Judah in the 25th chapter of Second Kings. Same event. Overthrew the Assyrians in the 17th chapter of Second Kings. So he's so the beast. Everybody's looking for a man. There will be a man of sin, but not if you don't get to the word meanings, you're just going to be lost, aren't you? Do we need to? I've been looking up words for the last 40, 45 years. I do it all the time. I do it every day. Don't think I'm used to my I'm used to my concordance. Come over to the house and look at some of my concordances. They're all two pieces. Do I look at these words once? I look at them over and over and over and over and over again. And how do I know that an infinitive is a verbal noun? I pick up my Basics of Biblical Greek by William Mounts, one of the great teachers in the world. And he will say, you've heard me say this. Because a participle is a verbal adjective. I've said it to you a thousand times. He'll say over here. The infinitive, the Greek infinitive is a verbal noun. 
That's how I know. And then I go look up a verbal noun and find out what it means. It means the fluid is coming upon something from an outer source. And it means to stain with a dye. And you've got that in these Greek books and the people who write these other books, they don't know what it's talking about. I study my Greek books. I look at this. I look at the section in front and it will tell me it's got a... It's like a... It'll tell you what all these things are. Nouns, adjectives, English verb tenses, master verb chart, verbal rules, overview, uh, adjectival adjective participles, aorist adverbial adjectives. I want to know what's in here. And you know how long it's going to take me to learn what's in here? Forever. (laughs) I ain't never going to learn what's in here. I'll learn a few things. And as I learn them, I'll teach them to you. And this is one of America's foremost Greek scholars. I've got his other book at home, Basics of Biblical Biblical Greek, and the one at home is Beyond the Basics. But you don't learn it by picking up. Let me see how, okay, uh, all right, now I've got it together. No, you don't. Studying the Greek is, it's fun to me because I find out what things are about. Let me show you something about to be. Do I have any time? You went to Hosea 13. Huh? Hosea 13. Hosea. Well, didn't I say, Hosea, I'll meet you like a lion, a bear, and a leopard? That's what he said. Let me show you something about to be. Look over in Acts. Acts, the 10th chapter. See, baptized does not mean to immerse in water. I've said that so many times. I'm going to kind of give you something that's really good. Infinitive is a verbal noun. I just read it after Mr. Mouse's. It's a verbal noun. It is a noun with verbal character. Noun. Verbal character. It means it is a person, place, or thing when action has been taken up on the noun. It's like the barn was to be painted. In English, you nearly always have all infinitives start with to be. To be. Oh, wait a minute. We said that meant to exist. Let's just put this, to exist. I'm going to go through this real slow. Peter has been at the house of Cornelius. He's a Gentile. They at one time would have washed Gentiles in water, circumcised them, and offered two turtle doves for them to become a member of the kingdom of Israel. That was before Jesus died. Look at verse 44, chapter 10. When Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost, or the truth, 
Holy Hagios Ghost Numa. Holy Spirit Hagios Numa. The Holy Spirit is truth. That's what the Bible says many times. The truth fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, that on the that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of truth. You see, this is the first time that the truth had ever been preached to the Gentiles as on a whole. And God was opening their minds. For they heard them speak with glossa and magnify God, then answered Peter. Can any man forbid water? It doesn't say that. Forbid, the way it's written here is a verb showing action, right? I forbid you. It's not a verb. It is an infinitive. It's an infinitive. Now, where do you get that? You open up my, what did I do with that book? Oh, here it is. You look up alphabetically the way the word is written in the interlinear Bible. You spell it out, forbid. You look it up in here, and it will say I-N-F. That means infinitive. That means it's a noun. It actually says in the original text, not the water forbid. Or it actually says, I wrote it down here. The word is koluo. K-O-L-U-O. And it is a form of the word kolodzo. Let me erase some of this. Koluo. It's a form of K-O-L-A-Z-O. Kolazo means to hinder, prevent, reverse, stop the water. It says, not the water, stop. And who was he talking to? He was, Peter was preaching to Gentiles. Gentiles before Jesus was crucified had to be circumcised, washed in water. Peter said, let's not have the water anymore. In the 15th chapter of Acts, Paul was coming back from Asia preaching over here and had some Judaizers follow him and say, let's go back and circumcise those people. No, he says, stop the circumcision and stop the water. That was a proselyte process. He said, no. But read the next verse. And Peter commanded him to be baptized. To be baptized is an infinitive. Let me put it this way. Peter commanded him to exist baptized. Let me tell you about infinitive. Infinitive comes from the word infinite. We get the word finite, 
which means limited, infinite, when you go out at night and you look at the stars and you see infinite, you see infinity, it goes on forever. It's never undone. Once an infinitive, once you cover, this actually means to exist baptized with blood you're never unbaptized with blood because baptism means to cover with the stain or die that is an infinitive in verse 48 don't matter whether any preacher likes it or not you think they're going to approach that are they going to deal with it no guy wrote us a letter said he went to an episcopal priest the Episcopal priest said, yes, I know that baptized was an infinity, but I can't afford to preach that to my church. That's crazy, isn't it? It means to exist baptized, but if you paint a barn, is it to exist painted? Or are you going to unpaint it as soon as you painted it? It's to exist forever. The sign for infinity is an eight on its side. looks like an eight. That's infinity. That's infinite. That's a term that Mike's used in his math classes many times. It means it goes on. The baptism is forever and it's never undone. Can y'all see that? Do I have any time, Mike? Twelve. Twelve. Now, let me give you one other thing here. Do these words mean anything? Baptized doesn't mean to dip in water. That was a proselyte process. And that was nailed to the cross with Christ, blotting out the handwriting of water. You know what the... Water baptism is a ritual, isn't it? Huh? Let's look at the first chapter of James. Look at James. I'm going to show you something. Now, this will really bother people. I just believe the world's crazy. They, nobody cares. Any professor out there that's listening to me, and most of them are not, they're going to have to deal with what I'm saying. You guys are chicken. I just looked at the camera. You don't have the guts to tell the truth about God. I don't want to be called your friend. You're not God's friend. Look here, James, the first chapter. All right. James 1, look at verse 27. Well, let's start in verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious... And bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. Look at verse 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. Pure, you know what that word religion is? T-H-R-E-S-K-E-I-A. 
pure ritual. Pure ritual is not dipping people in water. It's not passing around crackers and grape juice. It's that it is to visit. It is to visit the fatherless. That word fatherless is the word orphanos. O-R-P-H-A-N-O-S. It is that word orphan. It's the same word in John 14. 14. In fact, look over at John 14. Same word. If you don't know the words, what are you going to do with them? John 14. John 14. Verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The word comfortless is the word orphanos. I will bring Christ to you. And he will keep you company through believers that believe God. This visit the fatherless and the widow. The word widow is the word kira. C-H-E-I-R-A. Kira means one without a husband. That is the church, the wife, the bride of Christ. Only one pure ritual in the world. And it's not dipping people in water or passing around crackers and grape juice. It is amazing to me how men don't like details of any kind that stand in a pulpit. If I, Mike is a, he's a real brilliant man when it comes to mathematics. He works calculus and taught algebra in college and teaches all those advanced mathematics. Mike would be disgusted to hear some guy just standing up and rattling off a bunch of things that are not true. I am disgusted with these preachers when I hear them not even concerned about details. I'm the most concerned person about details I have ever run into. Me. I hadn't run into me. I just saw me in the mirror. I want the details about everything. If you find out the details... You know what it does? Makes you sorrowful and grieved. The Bible says there in that last verse of Ecclesiastes, in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increases knowledge increases sorrow. The smarter you get, the more grieved you get, and the more you want to go home to be with the Lord. I see a world that just doesn't care. They don't care. It's very distressing. And infinitive means to be permanently. Infinite looks out there and it's permanent. Finite means it ends. Man's knowledge is finite. Infinite is God's knowledge. I want to learn just a little bit of it. I've got so many more points to this. I want people to learn... Let me give you something. Do I have any time? Five. Five. I'll show you where people come up with, if you go over to Luke 21, this is where people come up with 
uh, preterism. This is one point. And they'll say it to you. This whole chapter is talking about it's talking about the second coming of Christ, the 21st chapter of Luke. And he says, and I can't go through all of it, just verse 27. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in, in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, which they're happening right now, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. And he spake to them a parable. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is nigh at hand. So likewise, when you see these things, the fulfillment of the Gentile rule over the Jews and the distress of nations with perplexity of the sea and the waves roaring, when you see these things come to pass, know that it is the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Now, this verse right here is the one that the preterists use. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. They're saying, they say, well, they're not saying that generation at the end of time. They're saying the one that they're in right now. There's only one problem with this. The word this is not the word this. It's the word A U T. Ada, it's her. The Ada on the end of the word is feminine gender. It means the church's generation will not pass away. They won't be killed off until Christ comes and we're in the generation. It's just, I've had people want to argue about preterism using that verse. They also use Matthew the 16th chapter. They'll use this about, I don't like preterism, I don't believe that. They'll use Matthew the 16th chapter. There in verse 28, Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, there will be some standing here which shall not taste death. Taste death means to die. They're not going to die till they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. And they said that was in 70 A.D. Why would He come in 70 A.D. when He blinded their eyes in 33 A.D.? He's not coming for them. Where is the kingdom coming in the Bible after Jesus dies? It was birthed in Acts 2. There were some there that didn't die until they saw the birth of the church in Acts 2. You see that? And they use this verse and say, see, he came in 70 AD as a flash of lightning. Why would he try to convert the Jews when he had them blind? It's crazy. Am I over over the time, Mike? Two minutes. Two minutes. I didn't mean to go this long. I just, I really love the Word of God. I want you to see how many mistakes I can't even begin to tell you how many mistakes I have found in a King James Bible. I use the King James simply so I can go back to the original word in my interlinear Bible with the, with the Greek text and go into my lexicons. William Mounts, lexicon. William Mounts is basics of biblical Greek. You want to kind of 
you won't just pick them up and read them and get a hold of them. I'll read something, read it and look at it and look at it and think about it and think about it and read it. I am thoroughly appalled at what the preachers in America are speaking. That's why we don't have big crowds on Sunday night and Wednesday night. What I'm saying goes against the grain of the churches. It goes against the comfort, doesn't it? They say, I don't care what you say, Jim Brown. We don't like it. And they don't have any answers to these things I'm saying. I'm going to get me a shirt. I keep saying I'm going to get a shirt. I've written on it. I want to go home to be with Jesus. I'm tired. I really am tired. And I really do want to go home to be with him. I don't like preachers that lie about the Jesus I serve. Don't like them at all. I'm not supposed to like them. Jesus said, you're my friends. Phileo. I'll like you if you do the things I say, but if you don't, I won't like you. I don't like them for the same reason he don't like them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of the word. Lord, I am depressed. I know a lot of it's come about with this heart attack, with this with this disc problem I've had, but I am tired. I'm weary. I want to live for you every day of the rest of my life. Thank you for your word. Fight our battles. I don't want to fight nobody no more ever. Christ, now we pray, man. Well, I didn't think I'd last that long. Huh? There's so much there that has been misinterpreted. Just go to the Greek text. That's all. So when you were talking about baptism. Huh? You were talking about baptism and of course it's blood. And that's permanent. What did you say? It's a permanent standing and dying. That it's infinite. So water is not permanent. It runs no, it, it, as soon as you dry off, it's gone. Besides that, baptized means to cover with a stain or die. I will never dip anybody in water. I don't care who you are. I don't care about the strain and the stress you put on me. I don't believe in it. I really believe what's wrong with the world is everybody's customs, their traditions. As long as they can perform a tradition, they don't want to die. I think it was Glenn said to me one night, he said, if they don't want this blood baptism, they've missed the boat completely. Hey Jim, as I understand it, people's traditions have come out of honestly weak translations of the pure word. Well, it's because men wanted to change it. Men wanted to change the words. When some of those copyists would be writing things down, they'd say, I don't like this, so let's change this. Water it down. Huh? Water it down. Water it all down. I love you, brother. Great to have you back. I'm glad to be here. I love you. I love you, too. Hey, guess what, Jim? I got to tell you, I got a copy. Remember one night at Target Fellowship, we were talking about the one-volume version of the interlinear bible 
Yeah. And I couldn't get one, so I bought the paperback four volumes. Well, I got you can. Get, you I, got, I got one. I found a one volume uh, of the whole. Bible you can get them from. Hey, did you try to get them from Christian book distributors? No, I got it on thrift. Thriftbook.com for thirty bucks. I okay. One. Well, so I paperbacks will come apart. Well, yeah, but I'm saying I got the hardback all in one volume for thirty bucks. Oh, did you? I just bought it. Yeah. You got the hardback. Yeah, but it took me a while to get it. I had to wait, but I, I had a, I was on a waiting list, so I just received it yesterday. So I was real excited to get that. Well, I believe what I'm teaching is the truth. I don't care if we have two people here, me and Mary. <laughs> I believe it's 100% truth. When you just actually show these guys are lying. And they are. You start to get... You learn more. Huh? As you learn more, you start to get more... The more you learn, the more you know these people are messed up. Right. 